Welcome to the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation. Relational Leadership, Attracting and Retaining Top Talent, Part 1 of 2. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation. Relational Leadership, Attracting and Retaining Top Talent, Part 1 of 2. The Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation focuses on the values and behaviors characteristic of highly effective leaders. Complementing the Strategy Driven Management and Leadership articles, these conversations examine the real-world challenges managers face every day that aren't easily solved with a new or redesigned process and instead demand the application of soft leadership skills to achieve a positive outcome. In this episode, Frank McIntosh, author of The Relational Leader, a revolutionary framework to engage your team, shares with us his insights on how the attraction of key talent can be heightened and the undesired attrition of top employees significantly reduced through development of a positive, reinforcing workplace environment where people feel they are valued and have the opportunity to grow. So now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Frank McIntosh, author of The Relational Leader, a revolutionary framework to engage your team. During his 36-year career, Frank has worked with many of the most recognized companies and executives in the world. He has provided consulting services for peers across the country and helped initiate junior achievement programs in Ireland, the Ivory Coast, Oman, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Uzbekistan. Frank was inducted into the Delaware Business Leaders Hall of Fame in October 2008, one of 38 individuals so honored, and the first not-for-profit executive to receive this distinction in Delaware's 300-year business history. Frank, welcome to the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation Podcast. Nathan, it's great to be here. I'm thrilled that we have you back on the show, and even more so that we're going to be talking about engaging employees and retaining employees, because I know, or at least the, I should say the studies have shown, that with the economic recovery that we're starting to experience, that there's a lot of employees looking to change jobs, employees that were holding on to their jobs before, and so it's becoming more important than ever, I think, for a lot of employers to really take an introspective look at themselves and do some things so that they retain their top talent. So really glad to have you back. It's great to be here. Well, Frank, to start our conversation, I was wondering if you might share with our audience what you mean by relational leadership. Well, uh, Nathan, it's, think of it as being people-centric. If you, if you were to take a, a Venn diagram, as a, for instance, uh, you would see uh, in, in the relational leadership model, you would see three circles that 
kind of inter- intersect with each other, and each of the circles would represent an element. Uh, it would be either fidelity, appreciation, or value. And uh, these uh, three areas or elements, as I refer to them, mm-hmm. work together with each other uh, constantly and over time. And they have to be part and parcel with leadership's uh, uh, way of doing things. Each of those elements has uh, is represented by attributes. In the case of fidelity, which I refer to as the prime element, uh, the attributes are fairness, uh, character, and trust. Uh, and these are, are ways of expressing fidelity with the people in your organization. Uh, the second is is uh, appreciation and the attributes for that uh, is fun and celebration. Uh, and the third is is a value and the attributes for that is attentiveness and purpose. And all of these things um, are, are critical to a relational leader and an organization that is relationally led. They work together and they work in concert with each other to focus on the people of the organization. And I would say this before uh, uh, ending, is that the people of the organization are not just the employees. The people include uh, the employees, of course, but they also include the customers, they include the vendors, and they they also uh, include the surrounding community uh, that the uh, business... uh, supports. So so people is a very broad uh, view, and uh, people-centric means that as leaders, you look at all of this and, and, and all of these folks and make sure that you are serving uh, their needs. Okay. Now, Frank, uh, moving then to the work environment that relational leadership helps to create, You've identified through your work with companies four key success factors to creating an environment that attracts and retains top talent. Would you mind describing those four factors and then why each is important to creating a winning workplace? Well, there's there's four that I've identified. This actually could be many more than that, but four are prime ones that I I, I think of. One is... uh, is that your people think of themselves as growing. And I kind of like made that number one because mm-hmm. if you have people uh, that uh, are in your organization that don't see themselves as growing, um, either, you know, uh, personally or within the, within the greater scheme of the organization itself, they're not going to be terribly happy. Uh, and, and if you want to retain people, uh, in your organization, uh, then you want them to feel pretty good about it. So mm-hmm. seeing themselves as growing is very important. Uh, feeling that their contributions, whether they're big or small, are valued and, and they're recognized. You know, not everybody can make the big, big uh, contributions that change everything. Um, but it's really, isn't it really uh, the combination and the the uh, of, of the small 
things that people do every day, uh, those kinds of contributions, um, the support things that an administrative person might do to help somebody else uh, in management get their job done, Mm -hmm. Uh, those are the things that make uh, the the organization uh, successful, and in the end, and so being recognized as having uh, as doing those things, the big things always get recognized because they're big things, right? It's the small things that that are sometimes left aside, and and they are without them, the big things don't happen. Absolutely, uh, appreciate the significance. Uh, that this place of building relationships through shared experiences. Now, this is somewhat esoteric, but not necessarily. Uh, there's a, a, we come together in the workplace as individuals from all different backgrounds and places and so on. We have nothing in common with each other, except that perhaps we work in the same place. Sure. Well, we may have other things in common, but 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 basically, you know, we're brought together as co-workers. Doesn't mean that anything that we've done in our past uh, would make us a good teammate. Well, mm-hmm. good teammates uh, and and uh, come from shared experiences, in my uh, view. And 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 the more or the more profound those experiences are, the greater. Uh, the the bond is between the individual. So, uh, if you think about, I mean, we have a great example of that just recently. The miners, right? Yes, uh, yes, we and, do. And so there they are. They they didn't necessarily all like each other. They just worked together, mm-hmm. but now they're thrown uh, together uh, under the earth, uh, pretty far under the earth, with a little chance of getting out and and. And uh, they had an experience, a bonding experience, uh, unlike most of us would ever have. And they came out of it, and they came out, and and now, uh, well, seemingly, it's still early in the game, but I suspect uh, that over time they're still going to, uh, that's going to be such an important part of of their their future. Uh, and And, you know, People that wouldn't normally have been friends are now going to be lifetime buddies. Uh, mm-hmm. We see that a lot, and and to the extent that an organization can can recognize that these shared experiences are are important, are are very clearly a a, a characteristic that a lot of people I don't think recognize is an important part of any organization. And finally, observe evidence of, uh, uh, of commitment to people in the organization so that everybody looks around and says, you know, this organization really cares about me. Mm-hmm. It cares about all of us. And I see that every day. And to the extent that I can uh, come about and see the uh, 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 that, that happening, then, boy, I... I feel much better about where I am here, and uh, and so these things collectively uh, create an environment that is very attractive to to any outsider, and very attractive to people that are inside. They want to be there, you know. They want oh, to yeah. stay, and we know very clearly uh, that uh, uh, you know retaining. Our best people 
uh, over time is going to save the company a lot of money. I've been fortunate to have some of those experiences. When we talk about the shared experiences and the intense experiences, certainly not like the miners in Chile, but in the military, being out at sea on a submarine, mm-hmm. under the water, having shared experiences in different operational settings that could could be stressful. There was a real bond there, and we see that over and over again today. We, we see folks that could get out of the, the military but choose to stay in and remain in Iraq and Afghanistan in, in active combat zones because there is that bond and that, that closeness, that shared experience, and they don't want to leave their unit. And, and well, that I, is, yeah, it's yeah. great. That really is right on. You're right on the money with that, yeah. uh, Nathan. And, I, and, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say in time and again too, in in like a non-military setting, when I see people bond to the organizations I've been a part of out, outside of the military, a lot of times there's a story of a, a personal challenge. Maybe it was a medical condition or a family. A member had some sort of challenge, and the company and their teammates within that organization stood up and helped take care of them and helped them through that particularly challenging time in their life. And again, it creates that shared bond with the organization. Yeah, that's so true, and it can come. It doesn't. Yeah, I think the more profound, you know, and then the most profound that we have these days to look at would be the miners' experience, but mm-hmm. you know, your military experience is very similar to that uh, as well. But it, it can be just about anything. And, and as you mentioned, there's just about somebody being ill and, and people coming together around that. Uh, I just finished a, a, a consulting uh, job that I was working with a local bank, and they had uh, about six, eight months ago, uh, a terrible internal work experience that uh, where where the company was uh, being uh, uh, robbed basically by one of their vendors, a couple of their vendors actually. Oh wow! And uh, and and, and uh, uh, millions of dollars involved. And and these folks, uh, and this was a small company, and these folks came together as a group. I think the whole company is like forty people. Uh, but uh, they worked day and night, 18-hour days for months, trying to extricate themselves from this circumstance, which they did, by the way, uh, and did it very successfully. But, you know, that's a different group today than it was six months ago. Yeah. I mean, folks have a sense about each other that uh, didn't exist before, and that's because of, of the bonding that took place with this shared experience. Absolutely. And now, again, my view is that management leadership doesn't necessarily recognize that, and we need to start recognizing the, the importance and the value of these shared experiences that happen every day in the workplace. Now, Frank, how does trust play into the establishment of those key success factors? Well, trust is paramount to everything in an organization. Um, so so that's, uh, 
I mean, that just has to be a given. But uh, people have to feel that 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 leadership sincerely believes, sincerely believes in in their growth, uh, and, that, and that they sincerely appreciate what. Um, what little things that they do every day and so on uh, to make the organization better, and that and that they that they really believe that the people in the organization make the organization go, and and trust is 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 built and and earned and kept by continuously doing these things, uh, or doing the things that that will demonstrate to people that those things matter, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a small organization or a large one, in a large organization you can see yourself growing because you get promoted here, there, and elsewhere. Uh, in a smaller organization, that's not so possible most of the time. Right? There's only so many people. There's only so many jobs. Yeah. Uh, but but how do you treat people? What responsibilities do you give them? Uh, do they, can they look at themselves and say, "I'm doing more today." Uh, than I did, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not just talking about accumulation of work that's, that's tossed on you, but I'm doing more important things today than I used to do uh, because I've demonstrated that I can do it and they care and I'm growing. Or or management says, you know, let's go send you someplace so that you can learn more uh, about this particular aspect of, of our business. Uh, and, you know, go do that. Enjoy it. You know, for people that travel a lot, that may be a bad thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but for people who don't, uh, which is most people, right? yeah, That's like neat, right? Oh God, I can go to Florida in January. I like that. I don't care what they're doing to me down there. Yeah. You know? So oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so those things uh, are ways of you know showing. That, that you care and that you know that you want them to grow and so on. Sure, and I would think too that demonstrations of trust uh, or acts that engender trust, when they're in those more intense situations, just heighten the amount of trust one person feels for another. Because it's back to the when the chips are down, I can count on this person. I'll still be treated fairly. Yes, and you know, always beware of the guy that comes up to you, the gal that comes up to you. I got your back. What yeah. are you going to do with it? <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, like <laughs> you're using me as a human shield. You, you, yeah. <laughs> you got my back. Yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure you have. I know I have had, uh, you know, bosses that have said that to me, and 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 I've said, you know pretty much back to them, I really would like you not to have my back because I don't know what you're going to do with it. And yeah. Now, I may not have expressed that quite so directly, but, but you know, if, if, if you've got my back, you don't have to tell me. I know that. Right. I know that, you know, when I say something to do something, even if it's wrong, you're going to say, that's okay, Nathan. You know, that's okay, Frank. Um, we're going to get through this, and and you're going to help me to understand maybe what I didn't do right and how I can do it better. 
but you're going to believe that uh, that I, you know, I did what I did for the right reasons. And you know, uh, of course, if if I didn't do it for the right reasons, that's another matter, isn't it? But but let's just stay on the positive side here. That yeah. you know, you demonstrate that you got my back. You don't have to tell me. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to just naturally know that. Yes. Yeah. If you have to tell me, then there's something actually wrong. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had to let somebody go on a job. I I have uh, not too many times, but you know, enough times. Mm -hmm. And every time, with a couple of exceptions, every time people knew. They weren't the right fit for this job, you know, and that they had, you know, that this was going to be good for them. And most, for the most part, they were relieved. <laughs> that, yeah. that somebody finally said, you know, it's time for you to move on. In a, you know, in a, not in a mean, mean way, but in a, you know, the kindest way you can. Uh, but hey, you know, this isn't working. And recognizing that's part of, of, of leadership, recognizing what does and what doesn't work. So, so uh, uh, you know, it, it's, these are all parts of, of, of being a leader. Now, Frank, to just tie everything all together, how does the exercise of relational leadership contribute to developing those key success factors that create that positive and reinforcing work environment? Well, if you're a relational leader mm-hmm. uh, and, and your organization is, 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 is considered relational, um, then you, you've got to care about people. I mean, you just, there's just no other way around it because people are the center of that. And, uh, and, and, and so, so the belief that uh, that you can see uh, the, the very least of, uh, of of your organization as is being you know, and I say that the least uh, those folks that have the least levels of responsibility uh, are capable of providing uh, you know good work and and. And capable of providing a, a solid base for the organization to move forward, and you demonstrate that. Um, the people regularly see this in your actions and your policies and so on. Um, that's that's what counts in the end. Uh, you've got to, it's not just the big folks; it's the little folks, and the little folks are often uh, ignored uh, mm-hmm. in an organization, and and and. Those organizations are not ter- terribly relational. You know, they may call yeah. themselves that. And a lot of times, people do. Uh, they think they're relational, but they really aren't, because of the way they they act and and and, and the way they treat people. Uh, they treat the people that they uh, are the big the big salespeople, the guy or gal that brings in the big orders, right? Well, yeah, yeah we'll treat them good, right? <laughs> because that's very clear. I see that. You know, I mean, you brought in a hundred thousand dollar order. That's great. You know, but yeah. who filled out all the forms that did all this and did that? You know, that made sure that you got that hundred thousand dollar order. Because half the time, you know, while it's important, those folks that that are able to do that uh, are only capable of of 
of uh, using their charm and 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 product knowledge, uh, but they're not capable of doing all the stuff that really delivers the order. They don't right. even care about that. They don't care about it. But somebody has to care about it, and you have to, as a leader, care that they're doing that and recognize it. Yeah, and I think that's the real challenge. I I guess in my experience, I see a lot of organizations claiming to be people-centric, claiming to be relational, and they, they have all of the right paperwork. You know, their their policies say the right things. They walk around the office. They have the right kind of posters, you know, the, the fancy inspirational stuff, you know, they spend a lot of money on, hanging on the walls. But then when it comes right down to it, that open-door policy isn't really open-door. And we shoot the messenger. And we don't appreciate those folks that are in support roles. Like you said, we only show appreciation toward the the charmer that got that big contract. And and I think it's a a challenge. Maybe it's a challenge of even either self-realization or it's a challenge of what I, I like to call integrity without excuses. Uh, where we're actually honest enough with ourselves to admit we have a paperwork structure here and we haven't really taken it internally enough to actually be relational and it's something we need to improve on. I guess that's what I see sometimes as as the challenge. It is, and, and, and... And the other part of it, it's just, there's really nothing. When you look at the tenets of relational leadership, mm-hmm. there's nothing like really big brainstorm there, right? It's yeah. pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. We get to look at that. Right? What's hard about that, right? Yeah. And I hear that a lot. We do that all the time here. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do it yeah. all the time or you do it some of the time. Right. <laughs> you yeah. do it. Every day, day in and day out, are you dedicated to it? Do you do you walk the talk all the time, or do you walk the talk some of the time? You know, and yeah. most often it's some of the time. You know, because oh, yeah. it is really hard. While it's simple on the surface, it's very hard to do this on a regular basis. And there will be many times that you are going to slip. And that's where one of the tenets that uh, uh, that we that I talk about a lot of the times is, is admitting your mistakes. Now, it's not a subject for this discussion today, but admitting your yes. mistakes and and correcting them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's paramount to to making the uh, organization flow, and and the whole idea of of being consistent, doing it day in and day out, very hard. Tremendously, but when it happens, it's wonderful. Oh, uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, a, a story I like to share because I, I hit a relational org- organization that was just beyond anything I could have imagined existed. And it it hit me as soon as I came in contact with the organization. And I was in the Navy, and there's this big nuclear exam you have to take before you can be the chief engineer on a, on a submarine. And Nice to hear. Yeah, that's that's always a good thing. (laughs) A lot of training there. Uh, But one of the parts of the training program 
was you had to go to different submarines and interview with the commanding officer of all these different submarines. So it wasn't just your commanding officer, but all these other commanding officers had to say, yeah, you're ready to take the exam. And I went on board a submarine. It was uh, USS Sandlands. And I'm going up. I have my, my appointment with their CO. And I met by the topside watch, the guy that, that stands there and, and guards the walkway that goes across to the sub. And after he, he greets me, he tells me how lucky I am to be able to meet with his captain. I think, hmm, that's unusual. I've never had anybody tell me that I was lucky to go see their CEO before. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I go down on board the Sandlands, and I'm walking through the ship, and I meet some chiefs, and they ask me if they can help me and point me in the right direction. It's a different class of, of submarine than mine, so I was happy to take them up on that offer. They asked me what I was there for. I told them you know, to see the captain for the interview. And they told me just how fortunate I was because this was the most outstanding naval officer they'd, they'd ever had the privilege of serving with. And I thought, you know, now I've heard it twice. Mm-hmm. This, is, this has never happened to me before. You know, hmm. I got to bump into a few of the officers in the wardroom as I was waiting to go do my interview. I heard mm-hmm. it a third time. After I got done with my one hour with the CEO of the Sandlands, I walked away truly knowing that this was the most phenomenal, capable naval officer I had ever met. This man cared about me and my success more than I think anybody in the world cared about me and my success. Mm -hmm. You walk off, and I loved my ship, but you're almost thinking, what do I need to do to get a transfer over here? He made that kind of an impression in just an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to do this life-altering thing so that I can I can serve with with this leader. And, and like I said, when I read your book, the relational leader, it's like, yeah, this is him. Mm-hmm. Just just a phenomenal experience. Well, when you see it, it's it's a special moment. Yeah, it it, it is truly a powerful. Thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's unmistakable. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation. I would like to personally thank Frank McIntosh for being with us today and sharing his insights on how to create a positive and reinforcing workplace environment. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Frank McIntosh and his book, The Relational Leader, at www.fjmacintosh.com. Until next time, So long.